many years have I prayed for a violin? Ah, got two now, and that one was that was beautiful. Ashlyn, that was beautiful. Take your Bibles and turn with me quickly, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're not in John this morning as we normally are. I've had several of you who have looked at the bulletin and said, What? No John? No John today. I just didn't think I'd have time to develop Mary Magdalene at the, at the grave, so we'll save that for next week. Uh, but I want to just kind of follow up a little bit on what Mike and Lisa have talked about this morning. Uh, I want you to hear Paul as he writes to the Corinthian church, and he's talking about, a pa- in this passage, it's not a passage we typically think about as a passage about the work of, of overseas and work in other places, and even the work here. But it really is, and I want you to see that this morning as we, as we think about it just a little bit, that this is the work of missions he's talking about. In verse 11, he says, Therefore, knowing the fear of God, or fear of the Lord, we persuade men, uh, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope we are made manifest also to your consciences. Now, Paul is just simply saying there, we, we are confirmed by what we are teaching, and, and we hope we know that God knows it, we know that God affirms it, and we hope that it, it resonates with you also, that the truth of the gospel is, is what we're talking about here. He said, we are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in the heart. Those who take pride in appearance, those who try to be good and try to be moral and and try to be religious in all sorts of ways, but who really don't understand the essence of the heart, the essence of the gospel. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, or, or one version says compels us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, We recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. He was a man, he is a man, yet we now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. She is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, all things have, all new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, that is, forgiving their sin in Christ, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the very righteousness of God. We live in a day when we must believe, we must live, 
And we must communicate all that makes the Christian message staggeringly good news. We live in a day when we talk about the gospel as though it were just something we talk about. But we must realize that gospel in its very nature, gospel in its very definition means good news. And we as believers who have experienced that good news that Paul is talking about here, being reconciled to God through Christ, being reconciled to God through Christ and given a word of reconciliation and being made ambassadors for Christ, we must live in a way that really demonstrates and communicates and shows that we believe that this is exceeding good news. This is the best news that anyone could ever have. It's the fact that we who are sinful creatures who have, who in the fall have lost that relationship with our Creator can now be reconciled, can be brought back, can be made, if you will, once again friends with Him. Earlier this year, I was somewhat amused by, uh, by the former mayor of New York City, Mr. Bloomberg, when he was making a speech and he was talking about all of his accomplishments that he made. And he, he made some pretty stunning remarks during that time. He, in the middle of his speech, he was reflecting on his own legacy at age of 72. He spoke about all the initiatives that he had spearheaded to reduce obesity, eliminate secondhand smoke from public places, and, and neuter gun violence on the streets. He, he went on and on. And in each instance, Mayor Bloomberg demonstrated a desire to promote human health, human safety, and human flourishing. And all that was fine. It was very politician-like. Here's what I've done. Look at me. Here's what I've accomplished. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But the surprising part of his speech, and really the takeaway from his speech, was this. He speculated about the afterlife. And Mayor Bloomberg said this. I want to quote him here exactly because I want to be careful. This is what Bloomberg said, and I quote, I'm telling you that if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I have earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. Now that's the, I want to say that's the, the philosophy of moral theistic, uh, or, or excuse me, theistic moralism and uh, uh, that we see in our day so much, people, well, but I won't even put the theistic or deistic on Bloomberg's because he's not even real sure there is a God. But if there is, I've earned it. And, and that's what we're up against really a lot here in our own country. It's people that say, well, you know, if there's a God, and if, if, if God is just, and if God's right, I've done a lot of good things. So it doesn't really matter what I believe or what I've confessed, it's just I'm okay. In other places of the world, like our guests live today, it, it may not be so much vivid as we would see it here, what Bloomberg had to say, but it is still the same idea. I've, if I've done enough good deeds, if I've followed the amount of prayer every day, if I've not broken those rituals that are done, that, then God will receive me because of what I have done. Paul says, I want you to understand something. The gospel, the gospel message, the only thing that is exceeding good news is not what I've done, but what he has done in my place. And that's what Paul is talking about here. When he talks about he's reconciled us with God, he's died in our place. He's, he, he who knew no sin became sin, that we who know no righteousness might become the very righteousness of God. We, we have no good deeds that will, will give us standing before God. Isaiah said all our deeds are like filthy rags. They're, they're useless. They're worthless. 
Paul says because of his death and because of his grace and because of our understanding that and seeing that good news and believing that good news, we are made the very righteousness of God. I loved how our guest said this morning that you know, God is doing a work where there's in, a, in, a, in a land where there are not a lot of workers there. And God is using various ways to get them to contact the workers to find out more about who Jesus Christ is. That's a glorious thing. And, and I can't remember which one of them said it, but they said, you know, God's doing his work. He doesn't need us. And that's so true. He doesn't need us. I am so grateful that he has graced us and privileged us to be a part of it. He could have done it without us. He really could have, and he, he still can. But instead, he has called us, as they shared this morning, to be involved in that work, to be involved in that ministry, to be involved in, in taking the good news. And, and as someone said, we're all going to be involved in missions, one, or if we're believers, one way or another, either in going or in sending. And in sending is giving and, and helping those who do go to be able to go. And we've seen that from the, eight years ago almost now when, when Grace Baptist Church was born. One of the things we committed to very early on was we said, we're going to be a missions church. We're, we're going to be more than just mission-minded. Mission-mindedness can, be, can mean you think about it a lot. You talk about it a lot. But we're going to do it. Now, we didn't do that because we're really good people. We, we really are nice people. We want to go and, and do things for people all over the world and, and, and see that. We didn't do that because of who we are. We made that commitment because that's what God has called us to in his word. We did it not out of a desire to say, look at us. We did it out of a desire to say, we want to be obedient to him. So what that means is simply this. We must be a people at Grace Baptist Church, and that all churches would, would, would understand this and would comprehend this, make a whole lot of difference. But we're to be a, we're to be a people who, who see the whole gospel for the whole church, for the whole world. And that's what Paul is really talking about here in this passage in, in 2 Corinthians. The whole gospel. The whole gospel is the totality of the meta narrative of Scripture. It's, it's from the fact that God had created and man fell and God brought a way for redemption, a way for reconciliation, and he has done that through his Holy Spirit, applying the gospel to your life. And he sends us out, every one of us who know Christ, to be ambassadors in that name. We use the word ambassador in politics and in government a lot today. An ambassador is one who's sent to another land with a message from the leader of another land. And so we send our ambassador to whatever, to China, our ambassador to Japan, our ambassador to England. They go and they, uh, they, they don't go on their own initiative. They don't, they don't go just because they feel like that's what they want to do. They're sent by the leader of our country, by the president of our country. And they're to represent him and what he has to say. They don't go over there and say, oh, well, you know, I don't like what he's saying, so I'm going to tell you something else. They communicate the message that they have been sent with. That's all we are. We're just to be ambassadors. We're just to be those who are sent by our Lord into the world, whether it be in Somerset or Pulaski County, Kentucky, United States, or another country. We are sent to represent our king. We are sent to be an ambassador 
of our king and to take the whole gospel. That's what he's talking about in, in verse 19 of this, uh, of this chapter we just looked at. He said, namely, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, their sins against them, and he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. We are to go as ambassadors with a word that, hey, you can be reconciled to God, the creator of everything that there is, only through his son, Jesus Christ. It's the whole gospel. You can't do it by praying five times a day. You can't do it by, by having initiatives to reduce obesity and secondhand smoke and, and gun violence in the streets. You, you can't do it by all of these social ideas. Social things are good. They're all secondary to the gospel. The whole gospel. The whole church. And by that, I mean we need to see that biblically, mission is integral to the existence of God's people in this present age. Mission that we are called to is to be a vital part of what we do and what we say as Grace Baptist Church. We need to see this to go into a whole broken world. The church functions in the midst of a broken world. People broken all around us. People hurting all around us. Physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs. And our church is called to be involved in their lives. And when I say our church is called, I'm not talking about this building that God has given us. I'm talking about the church, the people, you. If you're a covenant member of Grace Baptist Church, you're to be involved as an ambassador reconciling, carrying the message of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation to all those out there. Whether they're 20 miles from your house or two houses down or on the other side of the world. The whole church committed to prayer. The whole church committed to giving. And the whole church committed to should God call, I'll go. Doesn't mean we'll all go. Glad that our friend recognized that. Still, I still got to have some people to preach to here. But the whole church being committed to the idea that, you know, I'm not called to go right now, but there may come a time when God calls me to go. And if he does, I'm committed to being obedient to the call that God gives on my life. The whole gospel, the whole church. And we go to the whole gospel, 1 Corinthians 15 and other places where Paul talks about that. But I want you to see it's to be to the whole world. You know, Oh, I can't think of who said it. Oh, it's Abraham Kuyper. Uh, Abraham Kuyper was Dutch, and he was a prime minister as well as a, a preacher. And he said, there is not one square inch of the whole universe, and the earth is part of the universe, so there's not one square inch of the whole earth, world, over which Christ does not declare that this is mine. This is mine. Whole world. We don't look at the Muslim lands. We don't look at the Buddhist lands. We don't look at the Hindu lands and say, well, you know, that doesn't belong to Christ. That belongs to Christ. They may not have acknowledged it yet. Paul says in Philippians that one day they will. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It'll be too late at that point, but they will see it. But our purpose is to take the whole gospel into the whole world 
over which Christ says, this is mine. So be it the world of worldviews, which many of you will come up against in just a few short weeks when you go back to school. In high school and college, worldviews will be rampant and many of them will be unbiblical and anti-Christian worldviews. And you're to take the gospel into the world of worldviews, in the world of philosophies, in the world of other faiths. There is no salvation except in Christ Jesus. And that message must be spoken to every faith group on the earth. And every faith, even faith in yourself, oneself, in Somerset, Kentucky. The whole world includes a world of violence, a world of war, and a world of terrorism, which we read about and see on TV every day, and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we pray for the peace of the Middle East, and we pray for peace down at the Texas border. But we who know the one who has called us to be ambassadors of reconciliation know that there is no peace Apart from Jesus Christ. There is no peace apart from the Prince of Peace. There is no peace apart from Him who calls us to be obedient. Listen, I just want you to ponder that. The whole gospel, the whole church, the whole world. And what, our, what your place is in it, what my place is in it, in seeing the gospel goes forth. How does God want you to be involved in that? I mean, right now, it may just be praying for these dear brother, this dear brother and sister and their family. Right now, it may just be giving to, like he said, the Lottie Moon Christmas Hall, which all goes to, to uh, the world, to those workers out there to carry on the work. I'm sure it was Lottie offering that helped publish that book, wasn't it? I like that idea. I really like that idea. It's a matter of praying, it's a matter of giving, and it's a matter of going, whether it's short-term, long-term, career, whatever, however God is leading. But as I said, eight years ago almost now, we said that we're not just going to be a church that sits here and says to the community, hey, we're here if y'all want us. But we're a church that will go. We'll go to the surrounding area. We'll go to the, a broader area, and we'll go to the ends of the earth as God directs. Even as his dear friend said, would you just ponder, would you just consider what part of the world he wants to take you to, to be ambassadors of the greatest news that's ever been news of Jesus Christ, the one through whom there is reconciliation and forgiveness and redemption. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the news that we've heard, for the joy of those who are trusting you in faraway lands, not in great numbers, but that's not the issue. You said that in that day when we stand before you, 
There will be men and women of every tribe, nation, language, people, group. Every one of them. Not every person, but someone representing that. And I think myriads representing each group, O oh Lord. Because of the power and the truth of your gospel. Father, help us. Help us see clearly. and Help us be obedient. Help us hear your voice through your word, by your spirit. Help us know, O Lord, that you are indeed doing your work in your way in this world. Father, I do pray for men and women who don't know you this morning. I pray your Holy Spirit will call them to Christ. Draw them to Christ this morning, O Lord. Father, I pray for others that just need to be renewed in their spirits of who you are and how you have a claim upon us, especially those who are new creatures, new creations. Help us be obedient. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.